haven't really woken up oh, until I've had my McDonald's breakfast deal. And I know this is true because before breakfast, I put my phone in the refrigerator and couldn't find the keys that were already in my hand. Nothing gets the morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. McDonald's. I'm loving it. What is up, everybody? How you doing? Corey Coleman here, and this is the Daily Double Talk. As I said, I'm Corey. This is the other side of the double right here. Pixie, everybody, how are you doing? And the third wheel over here, Christian. Christian, how you doing, man? Motherfucker, you ambushed me. You didn't even tell me the dog was anywhere near you, and then you just pull her out when you're doing intros? What is that shit? Well, to tell you what happened, man, so she was sitting back on the pillow, and I thought maybe there was a chance that I could introduce the show, and if I got into a groove, she'd kind of stay back there. But the moment, the moment <laughs> that she heard that ding, she got up off that pillow, <laughs> came yeah. over here, looked at it me happens. with those big brown eyes. <laughs> You think that's what it is? It's like a Hannibal Lecter, Clarice Starling thing, you know, like we're doomed to be enemies forever, but we're also secretly in love with each other. Uh, you talking about me and you, or you and Pixie, or you know, I mean, either or, whatever uh, floats your boat, baby. Uh, no me, matter to me, me and Pixie, I don't, I don't know. You know, there's, there's three people here. You gotta clarify. <laughs> What's more scandalous, the uh, interracial or the interspecial aspect of that? Uh, I think me and you are more scandalous. I think everybody thinks I am making love to this dog. You know, that's already already, good. yeah. So yeah. that that precedent's been set. But you and yeah. I, that would be a bridge too far. Yeah, so. if I came out and, and, and said, you know what, people, Pix and I, we are in a sexual relationship. People would be like, yeah, no shit. We kind of figured. If I told people that about you and I, people would be like, well, I thought maybe, but nah, you know, I was on the fence. But oh, wow, okay, cool. <laughs> Again, more likely that you fucked the dog. And I appreciate that about your viewers and our fan base, that they have the amazing imaginations like that. Yes, people, we are here. How are you today? Welcome to the Double Talk. I am Corey Coleman. Let me reintroduce the show right here. This is the great Christian Torres over here. How you doing, sir? My fucking magician. Like, I'm going to pull a rabbit out of my house. I'm the now great see, Christian Torres. See, nobody can be nice to you, man. See, I gave you a compliment, and you just took uh, it and just shit on it. You know that about me. I can't take compliments, but I'm doing okay. Look, remember the other day I came here freaking out about clouds? I got another one. You heard about jumping worms? You hear about these fucking things? No, listen, I, you're giving me that look, but hear me out. These things, they, they have muscles. You know how worms, they wriggle. Not these fuckers. They're like snakes, and they and they take over, and they kill all the other worms, and they're going to lead to the end of society. You heard it here first. You think I'm crazy, but in, like, in, in the third act of this adventure film that we're on, you're going to find me with an even larger beard being like, I tried to warn you, and I'm going to be your only hope. Damn, people, I'm just introducing the show. He's talking about man-eating worms. What the hell is this coming from? You're Jumping talking... worms, and they're horrifying. And it's also like A Bug's Life too, like the movie that Pixar probably should have made instead of that bad movie, A Bug's Life, where it's about the big worms are, are taking all the soil away from the little worms, and their the ecosystems are dying beneath us, Corey. Why, why, why aren't you saying something about this? Why, what do we have to do? How many worms have to die until we do something about these jumping worms, Corey? Well, people, obviously Christian hasn't had his medication today. I apologize for his episode right now. I'm sorry. Uh, we'll address these worms later on. <laughs> you got to give me time to settle into this shit before I start talking about killer jumping worms. People, maybe we'll get to that in a little bit. But for right now, 
Welcome to the Daily Double Talk, or formerly the Daily Double Talk. We're not daily, actually. And, you know, it, just, it took us about a year to realize that. But we are double, and we do talk. And we, being that we talk, we are very conversational here. Some people say that this is the most conversational show that we do here on this channel, website, network thing that we do. And thanks to Christian Torres, he brings up some topics that he likes to talk about, such as fucking jumping worms but a few other things too such as well you know what we're gonna wait we're gonna wait to tell you those things in a little while besides the worms christian how are you doing i'm doing good listen i'm very excited uh you know i was a really responsible little liberal during this whole pandemic and i didn't go visit anyone and uh, i'm vaccinated and my parents are vaccinated i haven't seen my parents in two years Corey, and they are in the air right now like i gotta go pick them up at the airport which is sort of why we have a truncated show today but I'm really excited, man. I haven't seen my parents in two years, and we're going to you know, paint the town red, as they say, and uh, I can't wait. It's going to be a good time. Oh, my God. Christian's having quite a weekend. The parents are in town. He's just getting out, hanging, uh, the, the jumping worms are, <laughs> are, are out and about, man. Everything is, everything is coming up Christian over there. People, that is why we have to have sort of a shorter show than usual. This man, he's, his parents are coming into town. And he wants to hang out with them. So we're going to go and let him get them from the airport. Is that what you're doing? You, Yeah, I got to go to LAX. And you know that's a hellscape depending on the time you go there. Oh, yeah, man. That's right. Uh, he's going to have to deal with LA traffic today to go get his parents. So we're going to have to cut the show, the show just a little bit short today. Just a little bit. We do have enough to talk about. Usually Christian likes to bring up about three topics that we can have discussions over. Today we're going to have two unless you count the worm discussion as three. And then we'll see how things go. What time, do you, what time is your hard, hard out, sir? The hardest of hard outs is like an hour and 13 minutes from now is my hardest of hard outs. An hour and 13 minutes. The hardest of the hard. All right, sir. We're going to do this for you. I'm going to make this show as efficient and I guess, uh, what would you call it? Uh, Well-paced as possible. So that we can get you up and out of here and let you go see mom and daddy. Mom and daddy Torres over there. Uh, is, I, well, are your parents still together? No, I was going to say, uh, they would freak out if they heard that. Thankfully, they're in the air and they can't hear that. No, it's my stepdad. Uh, so no Torreses. I'm the lone Torres on this trip. My wife didn't even take my last name. So I'm literally the only Torres on this trip. Wow, man. So it's, wait, what, what, So your mom took the stepdad's last name? Yeah, I mean, yeah, but like my stepdad's been there since I was like one and a half years old. So like this is my dad. But like for legal purposes, he's got a different last name than I do. So I have to differentiate that, you know, I got to ask you, if you don't mind, uh, yeah. original pops, where is he? Oh, I mean, dead somewhere, maybe. I don't know. I think he's in Orlando. <laughs> I haven't talked to him since I was 15. So like, I don't know. He's, he's around. He's fucking around somewhere. <laughs> I what did know. you want? You wanted jumping worms or brutal honesty about father abandonment. I don't know what you want from me, Corey. Uh, apparently we have both. But <laughs> <laughs> Shit, your dad might be a jumping worm for all I know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Explain things. No, man. Uh, I was just curious, you know, getting to know you better. Maybe this is a, a, a better time and place to ask besides in front of the camera. But since we were talking about that, I just, I, you know, I do remember you now talking about your dad not being around. I didn't know it was like that, though, man. You know, I'm yeah, always well, fascinated remember. by that, though. When, dad, when you know, I mean, it's bad, but my parents were together my whole life. So, and then I had friends whose, whose parents were divorced, but, you know, they were still coming around. 
So I'm always fascinated when, you know, dad just jumps up and leaves and nobody knows the fuck he is. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, the first time you and I, I think, like, had a, a meaningful conversation, we were talking about our father's work ethics and stuff like that. And I told you a story about how my dad used to work uh, what they called, like, the suicide shift. So he'd be on call for seven days in a row. And I just remember him coming downstairs one day and his eyes were so bloodshot. And as a kid, it scared the shit out of me. And that story, I'm talking about my stepdad, not my actual dad. So just so you know, it's like it's very much my father. I consider my stepfather my father. And it's like a lot of people don't have that uh, second person come in and like really pick up the gauntlet. But like I have a pretty fucking wonderful stepdad. So that's awesome, man. That's great to hear. I'm glad it all worked out, man. Yeah, I, I love hearing about father stories, man, whether it's stepfathers or real fathers, like between you and the other Chris over there, Chris Herman. Chris, <laughs> Chris Herman, he has some great dad stories. Uh, he's, <laughs> I don't know if I got this right, but his, I remember his dad dressed up like Santa Claus and came in to give him a gift, and he freaked out, ran upstairs, locked the door. <laughs> kids, kids think they want Santa Claus to be real until the actual practical, practical application of that is when there's just a fucking fat jolly man in red entering your bedroom at night. That's horrifying. Because <laughs> I think his dad chased him down. And Chris went up there and locked the door. He's crying. And the dad is like, open the fucking door. I'm trying to give you a gift. God damn it. Just breaking in the wall. He's fucking like Nicholson like, from The Shining. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it, I'm Santa Claus. Open the fucking door. <laughs> I got gifts for you. Shit. <laughs> Chris is on the other side. No, no, go away. <laughs> that explains a lot about Herman, too. That makes a lot of sense. Oh, man. yeah, man. Oh, I oh, love it. But, man, uh, people, I got some things I want to even tell you about right here. I want to tell you about real quick. But before we do that, we're going to tell you what's going to be on the show today. And let's see what we got here. Cause I don't think we're we'll getting any hype trains in soon. If we do, then awesome. But until then, here's what's happening on the show. Uh, got a couple of things to talk about here that Christian brought up today. And there's a big controversy going on about In the Heights. I love that movie, man. Those are my words. Love this movie. Uh, but then they say that colorism rears its ugly head. And you know how I feel about these kind of things. Well, this changed my mind. Speaking to an actual Puerto Rican over here. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, who cares what I have to think? Let's talk to the brown man here. He's the final word. And also, going from brown to black, as in blackula. You know, they're rebooting everything and remaking everything. It was only a matter of time before blackula rose from the black grave again. And especially with black horror being what it is today on the rise being something that's actually kind of even trendy right now can blackula not just a black horror film but from that black exploitation era it's a little tricky with that right we'll see if, if we can actually make it happen in this modern age we'll have a discussion about what can be done about that how it could work what are some of the shortcomings that they might have to overcome we'll talk about all of that and let's see here and i believe that that is it Man, again, do we not have any, uh, I guess, any mods mods up in here? I mean, I might have to do this myself. I might have to be the sheriff today. (laughs) Oh, let me see here. I haven't had to do this in a while, but let me see. You know, I don't know what it is, man. You, out of everybody, you, you, sir, you just, boy, them trolls love you, man. Trolls always, 
Trolls always out for some crisp meat. <laughs> what did you do, man? What did you do with these people around us? I feel like I treat everyone with respect, and I try to be very measured and equal in my responses, and I still get more hate than I think anyone else when we do these live shows. Only so I'm from in- one person, though. It only recently started. I'm almost... I'm almost, uh, uh, I'm, I almost have respect for this, man. I mean, it's like, okay. I'm almost admiring this. It's like, no one has a, a dedicated troll like you do. <laughs> do you like that? Do you think that's a good thing? Do you remember that movie? What's that 96 movie with Wesley Snipes and De Niro or like Wesley Snipes? I think it's called The Fan, right? Where he's yeah. like an obsessive fan. Like, d- is that something you really want to happen in your life, guy? Like, I, I take no, no joy in having a dedicated uh, troll. I don't know, man. I don't have a dedicated troll. Nobody else here has a dedicated troll except you, man. That troll, all those trolls come out from under the bridge for you, man. <laughs> so, I don't know what you're doing. I'm kind of, like I said, I'm kind of in awe of that, man. I'm kind of, I'm kind of jealous and envious of that. Doing something right, we'll say that. Yeah. Let me see here. All right, there they go. He just got banned. So that, and like this is the same guy, and this guy comes out, like seriously, man. This is, this is something I must be proud of. Like, this mm-hmm. guy, they'll ban him, and then he'll go and immediately get another name and come right back again after you. I mean, I just want to know the dedication that takes. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to time that shit. You got to set alarms on your Siri and shit just to make sure that you're keeping up when we're on there. And then how many burners can you possibly have? It does take, after a while, you're right. I'm not yeah. even mad at it. I'm just, I'm applauding the effort that it takes to keep that up. No, man, I'm, I'm like, this guy puts work into you, man. Like somebody, like most people get banned a couple of times. They'll be like, okay, shit, you know what? I got a life. Fuck. I gotta, let yeah. me go do something. But you, they're like, nah, man. Nah. <laughs> Rarefied air. You know what I mean? I'm like a jumping worm over here. Motherfuckers can't get enough of me. No, I got, got to have my Christian today. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, man. Congratulations on that. Oh, yeah. What a victory. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. No, no problem, man. No problem. Shit, I hope I can get me one of those one day, man. Actually, I used to have one back in the day. Used to have one. I had a troll that was on my ass all the time. And he was uh and it was a job for him because he would he would do it almost every day. He would try to find something to come in and sabotage what we do, tear down what we do. Just he would make fun of me all the time, but when it came around to holidays, like he'd actually say, "Hey man, I'm taking the day off today. I just want to wish you a Merry <laughs> Christmas." Like seriously, no, that's cute. That's like a catch me if you can where DiCaprio would call fucking Tom Hanks every Christmas. Like you would you would coordinate the days. He's like, look, don't be worried that I'm not going to troll you today because I'm just taking a holiday break. But tomorrow I'm fucking back on it. Cold. Yeah, but tomorrow, I'm, you know what? We back at it again. I'm on that ass again. But he would take off on holidays. He Like on Thanksgiving, he'd be like, hey, just and, and would let me know. There's a guy that's like, there's a guy that's trying to ruin me. But would let me know. He's like, hey, I just wanted to let you know that I'm going to be taking the next couple of days off to go see the family for Thanksgiving. But I'll see you Saturday. You know, he, he, was, he was on it, man. Christmas. He actually sent me like a digital card one time. And I thought I was scared to open it because I thought it was going to be some crazy <laughs> thing in there. It was no, it was legit. Was that? Do you miss him a I little bit? I kind of do. A, a little bit. Just a little bit. I mean, he yeah, he was sending me cards and whatnot. It actually said, "Hey, uh, I don't know. I mean, even something from your from your favorite asshole or whatever. Uh, Merry Christmas." And then I waited a whole day. It was almost like I, it was almost like part of his plan because I'd wait the whole day, be like, "Okay, what the fuck is he up to?" And it would be legit taking time off, and then he'd be back to work after the holidays. 
Wow. I mean, this is, this is beautiful. This is actually kind of like a like a rom-com, you know, a platonic rom-com. But still, <laughs> it's like a meet cute. You know what I mean? Because like you you hate this person. But then what? it's like you, you ever hear that story about people like old couples where the, yeah. the snoring keeps the uh, guy up all night. But then like the wife dies and then her snoring is the is the thing that like now the absence of it is the only thing that, that makes him unable to sleep. That's you, man. Like you had this this dedicated troll every day. And I guess it's me now. I guess I, I got the yeah. fucking baton from you. So but, I'm saying, uh, kind of be, yeah, be proud, man, of it. You know, it's like I after a while, because I was mad about it. I was new to the game still back then. We were just we were just doing this. We, this is when we first started getting a lot of people. And so I remember going to like when I was in New York one time, uh, when I did a face to face with the office, I remember going there. It's like, we gotta do something about the fucking guy. This guy's every day. Isn't there some kind of thing you can do? Hired or can't you hire a digital detective or something? And people are like, no, what do you want us to fucking do, man? It's like there's nothing we can do about it. Like we can't get his IP address. We don't know what to do. So yeah. sorry, we would love to help you out, but you're just going to have to kind of deal with it and ignore it and just go on, find a way around it. And I kind of did. It's like, you know what? I mean, this because this, it was every day. He was looking up pictures of us. He was posting up things about us on other sites, you know, lying and shit. Yeah. And then, uh, damn, my allergies kicking in, my eyes itching, sorry. And uh, and then he just when when people just kind of stopped listening to him, then he just said, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna hone in on you." And <laughs> every day he was sending me shit. He was always in comment sections, oh, like with you, like, "Oh, fuck this idiot." Yeah. Really believe anybody really listening to this guy? And and the more that people fought back, the more he just like nailed in on me. So he made it his job to try to break me down. Every fucking day, man, for like months, and then you know, and and became, and and then it got to the point where I guess it was like he felt like, man, fuck, I'm now I've got a relationship with this guy. I got, I kind of got, got, I guess I got to be nice to him at some point. Yeah, but oh, so my question is this: Do you do you have theories or suppositions about what happened? Like, is it more likely this person just like met a met a love interest and moved on with their life, or they like ran in front of a bus one day? Like, what which thing do you think keeps him away from you on a daily basis now? It's somebody who they've latched on to something that they see. It's somebody who just wants I don't know what's going on. They got nothing fucking better to do. I mean, obviously. I mean, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying this is one of those people who's like, you know, I, I'm mad. So I'm like, they got no life. I mean, really, if you just if that's your thing to just mess with somebody every day, my life is your life. You know, that's that, you know, that's that. And there's almost I have to, that's where I have to look at. It's like, you know what? That's how I saw it. I was like, shit, this is this is almost flattering. This guy has made my life his life because he doesn't yeah. have one. And I felt like, you know, I felt generous. I felt like, well, shit, you know what? In a way. I'm giving this guy purpose. I yeah. am giving him a life. And I was like, all right, you know what? And I dealt with it. Nobody listened to him, but he still did it. And I think what happened was, first of all, it came from not having a life and just getting a thrill out of just fucking with people because there's just something wrong with you. You know, you don't, you don't like yourself or there's not something going wrong in your life. You, ha you hate to see other people succeed. And so when, when, when that happened, it gets to a certain point where you get so caught up in it. It's like, well, shit, now people know my name. They've said my name. Now I, I'm, I'm kind of infamous. I made a name for myself where I was jealous because somebody had something I didn't. Now I actually have a life, and it's yours. Right. But then they realize after a certain point, it's like, man, even the dumbest motherfucker out there, unless you are really crazy, and if you keep going that far, that means you're going to kill somebody. But it does dawn on somebody one day where it's just like, they just wake up one day and like, you know what? Um, 
this is old or I got a job now or man, I actually have a real hobby. You know, <laughs> I got a girlfriend, I got a boyfriend, whatever, you know, so I, I just bought a dog. At some point, the cycle gets broken because they realize this is going nowhere. This is not even fun for me anymore. And they move on. I know. Uh, well, I have I have that uh, beautiful yet sad day to look forward to. And my troll finally decides that I'm not worth the attention that he's been giving me or she. Yeah. Hashtag feminism. And then that's the day that it works what they want to do. Because, yeah. like, they've, they've been trying to bring you down. They've been trying to upset you. They've been trying to make you sad. And the day that they leave, the day they leave is like out, out, like I didn't see them one day and the whole day went off without them being around. And then, you know, by 11 o'clock, I was like, where did they where go? You know, I was like, where, where is he? He's not here. And I found myself being like, there's somebody who tried to break me down. And I found myself saying, shit, I hope they're okay. <laughs> they get you it's a war of contrition they break you down little by little yeah i was like man i hope i hope nothing's i hope nothing happened to him i hope he didn't die you know i was like i was actually concerned for this person it it, it it's man all around it becomes a fucked up relationship if it keeps happening so in a way they kind of win after a while because they get in your mind and then it, you know and they make you feel they, they you know they, they pretty much stockholm your ass man Stockholm Syndrome remember, like, There's a lot of weird like 80s movies where like the whole like uh, say anything is one of them. But it's just like, look, even if she says no, you just got to keep trying. You got to be unrelenting until eventually you break down their defenses. And yeah. that's sort of like, you know, Hollywood reinforced that over and over again. What you just said was like after months and months of fucking with your life, this person, you actually cared and wondered how they were doing. Thank like, you they, very they, much. They fucking won, Corey. It's over. Yeah, they won. No, they won. And the funny thing is, is that if I could, if I knew where they were, I would probably be stalking them. How come you're not around anymore? How come you're not out outside of windows yeah. and shit? Are you fucking with somebody else in there? Are you fucking with someone else? <laughs> How would you feel if that if your old stalker was now my stalker? Like the your old squeeze? I'd be is now, jealous. Yeah, I mean, well, you'd have to like knife fight or something. Yeah. Man. Like, yeah. yeah, are you are you tr are you trolling someone else? I know that bitch is in there. You know, I, <laughs> that's the kind of mind you have, man. Yeah, they get into your head. So in a way, they win even when they're gone. But they will eventually go away. They will drop off. Whatever, man. Uh, hey, before we move on, I know we have to move on, but I do want to bring this up to you, since you you're so terrified of these jumping worms. Mm -hmm. You ever heard of a movie called Squirm? No, but it sounds fucking horrific. Let's hear it. It's a movie, and they, the guy who made it actually said, I don't know what people are talking about. This is a comedy. But it's a movie about killer man-eating worms. Mm -hmm. and, and there's even a line in there where a guy, like these worms come out from the ground because of a, an electrical uh, wire that falls. So these worms, <laughs> electricity drive worms in this area because the worms bite. But electricity drives these worms crazy to the point where they eat people. And, and there's a scene, there's a, and one of these lines in here, it's a great line. It's one of the greatest lines from a B-movie I've ever heard. Um, there's, they have this guy here who's kind of a rapist and a bully, and the woman fights him off and she kicks him down. And little does he know that the can of worms, literally a can of worms that he had, a killer worms, it fell over in the boat. And... His, they show him falling down. His face leans down into the boat, and you hear him like ah! He grow, he he rises up, and now worms burrowing into his face, 
But later on yeah. in the movie, like he's still alive, and now he becomes like sort of the the super villain of the movie. And he tells this guy, like he puts him in a hole and says, when it gets dark, they're gonna come out and get you. And then you gonna be the worm face. <laughs> Squirm, man. It's uh I mean it's I saw this as a kid, like on one of those B movie nights on a on a, one of these channels that just runs reruns and movies all the time and pub domain shit. Or um we call it uh Oh, public access. Uh, Mystery Science Theater three thousand did I think uh, oh, okay. something with this. Oh, let me see here. Oh, oh, hold on. Oh, here it is. It was a violent summer storm. Millions of volts slashed the earth. That was the worst storm we've had. Since I was knee-high to a dirt. Folks talked about it and started getting things back to normal. When Mick hit town for his vacation. Well, it's straight ahead about five miles. But things weren't normal. There were changes. Ah! Ah! Mother bit me. I never saw him bite like that. Strange, frightful changes. That night, it all started. Stop doing that. I'm not doing anything. This was the night of the crawling terror. American International presents Squirm. <laughs> you should have seen Chris is over there just terrified. He's over there. No, that was nightmarish. And y'all making fun of me like I'm not on top of this shit. But like when the shit hits the fan, when the worms finally come up from the world, you, I, all of y'all will be looking for me because, you know, I'm the one motherfucker who was ready for these worms. <laughs> I like somebody in the chat said no legged freaks. <laughs> They came from everywhere. Millions of writhing, seething creatures oozing out of the mire to feed on human flesh. You sweat, but you don't dare move. Terror grips every nerve in your body. You want to scream, but you can't. Your heart beats so fast, it feels like it's going to burst. Jerry? <laughs> no, that freaked me out. I mean, I knew it was coming, too, and it still scared the shit out of me. Yeah, man. Uh, squirm. Yeah, I will just, I've seen that movie, like, several times. And, it gets, and the thing is, it... it the, the premise sounds worse than what it is. It gets more stupid every time you watch it. So anyway, and he's you know what they did was they electrocuted these poor worms, man. You know to get close ups on them, they actually electrocuted some of them so you could see that oh. like their fangs come out or whatever, their mandibles. But they don't they like they don't really attack people, of course. You know, but yeah, it was. Let's hope not. Yeah, my biggest takeaway from that, on top of the worms, is just how much I adore '70s trailers where they sort of like tell you the entire plot, <laughs> like the whole first act at the very least of the movie while they're showing you the rest of the trailer for the movie. And we see that with Blackula later. I told you, Blackula might be one of my favorite fucking trailers ever. Yeah, well, we'll get into that right now, man, so we can get you out of here. It's already 3.19, so we got to jump into this, people. So let me see what time it is. You know what? Just real quick, because we got to get Christian on his way. Listen, no matter how much we're in a rush, we're never in a rush to beg you for money. Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash double toasted. Get warm and toasty, hot and buttery, golden brown, and crispy. You get perks for all those levels, but since we're in a rush today, I'll let you look up those perks yourself. They're good. 
And most of all, you know the biggest reward is that you keep all of this great content coming to you. Also, getting a new merch store, got to let you guys know that. So hopefully some of the ideas that we have for shirts that we can't get done quickly, that will change soon. But right now, it's never too late to get that classic black tee with that white logo and all these other items that we have up in here. And got no more to give. You gave at the merch store. You gave at Patreon. Corey, I got no more to give you. What do you want, my blood? I'll take it. Yes, I will. I'll take your soul, too. But I don't need to go that far because we just need you to go over to our Double Toasted Twitch channel. And over there, you can subscribe for absolutely free if you have that Amazon Prime account. And don't forget to give a sub, gift a sub to your fellow toasty out there. All right, folks, let's go ahead and get into some of the things that we have to talk about today. Let me see here so we can get this man out here. Go see his mom and papa over here. So I'm a little and I'm a little uh, I'm a little hurt today and a little conflicted in my emotions. Why? Well, you know what? I hate to say it because this man is already catching enough flack right now. But I blame it all on Lynn manuel Miranda in his latest production in the Heights. What does Juanito mean? Suenito? It means little dream. That's it? <clears throat> no story? All right, all right, everybody sit down, sit down. Yes! It's a story of a block that was disappearing. At least all the dark-skinned people were <laughs> when it comes to this movie right here. That's why I'm conflicted, people, because you remember the review for this. I said the movie had some problems. The story, or the stories, the subplots in the movie, they were not, they were kind of corny. They were kind of cheesy. But it's a musical, so I was able to let that slide. But the production on this is amazing. And this is In the Heights, produced by Lin-Manuel Miranda, written by him. It was on on Broadway before it became a motion picture. And as I said, I really enjoyed this film. But my, my conflict in this comes from now I'm hearing people feel... Well, underrepresented in this movie. Are not represented at all. And that seems to be, this is where the controversy comes in. Because people say that, well, on the one hand, colorism is a big problem out there in many ways. And it has, it has, it has, it has much more damaging effects than people realize. But at the same time, well, this movie, it was representing somebody that was underrepresented. It was trying. I mean, it didn't. Ha- it had his heart in the right place. And who knows? Maybe it wasn't even these people's fault who made it. Maybe it's just the Hollywood system, our society itself, that just kind of has a subconscious effect on how we put these things out there. But as uh, as I was saying, you can see right here in the Heist reignites longstanding con- con- conversations about colorism in the Latinx community. I'm going to go ahead and let. Christian take this. I mean, after all, Christian is Puerto Rican, if I'm correct, sir. Correct, sir. And you, I'm, I'm, and I'm passing it on to you because I'm very curious to see what your opinion on this is. Oh, God. All right, let me just say right off the bat, because I agree with you. I don't think it's a perfect film, but I will tell you that I've never felt more seen or more heard in a film in my life than while watching In the Heights. 
uh, it was the rhythms of how my family speaks back in on the island. It's like it was it was a big love letter to that. Also, you know, I'm from New York as well. And so, like, I, I felt a lot of things about this movie. And, and mostly it was this joyous kind of expression for me. Um, so having said that, when this news first kind of broke, uh, there was a article written over on the route by I believe her name is Felicia Leon. Uh, and she says, hey, what's going on? Who's actually represented in, in the Heights? And that's a good question. But I got to tell you, my first one, and I'm going to like warts and all here, my first one was to immediately shun this as a conversation. Can because I, play I was the, so you know, high on the afterglow. Go ahead. Oh, I was Sorry. just going to ask because sometimes I, you know, we've talked about this. Sometimes you'll bring up something and, you, and you're into what you're saying. And I don't, and I never play the clip that you give me. So do you want me to play the oh, clip? No, we're going to play the clip. But okay. I just want to say really quickly that that was sort of my beef with it was that I was already in celebration mode. I was still on that high of saying, like, hey, there we are on screen and we're not selling drugs and we're not shooting people. We're just people with fucking like hopes and dreams and loves and all that stuff. So when I heard the criticism, I got really shitty about it because I didn't want to hear the larger conversation. And then I think I took a beat, I stepped back, and I wanted to hear it. And so, yeah, let's play the clip because I want everyone to see what went viral and what sparked this whole conversation. Okay. Congratulations on In the Heights. And by the way, before we go any further, uh, Felicia Leon is talking to the director, John M. Chu, of In the Heights. A lovely musical but as a black woman of Cuban descent specifically from New York City it would be remiss of me to not acknowledge the fact that most of your principal actors were light-skinned or white passing Latinx people so with that what are your thoughts on the lack of black Latinx people represented in your film yeah I mean I think that that was something uh, we talked about and um, and I needed to be educated about, of course. In the end, you know, when we were looking at the cast, we tried to get the people who were best for those roles and that specifically, and we saw a lot of people, people like Daphne or Dasha. But I hear you on, um, you know, trying to fill those cast members with darker skin. I think that's, that's, I think that's a, 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 a really good conversation to have something that we should be all be talking about. I didn't realize until making this movie that I I didn't really get to see myself or people that look like my siblings that are darker than me on screen. And I didn't realize how much that affected the limitations that I put on myself, being someone who wanted to be an artist and be an actress and, you know, even be in, in, in the Latin music. And all right, so you got that right there. Uh, so continue. Yeah, by the way, my favorite part of that is that, like, John M. Chu's like, that's the first question? This is supposed to be a fucking puff piece, and you come at me with that as your opening question? Uh, and, and he didn't have an answer for it. He kind of stammered his way through that. And, you know, so taking it back to just my personal experience, which is to say this, I felt very seen, I felt very heard, and I and I think that there is a legitimate case to be had. Like, what, what she is saying is true. Like, yes, there are, are, there are uh, Afro-Latino people in the periphery of the film, they're dancers, they're in the salon, but they don't get any sort of substantial subplot or anything like that. And so the question really becomes at that point, like, what's the goal here? Uh, is the goal to do everything at once or to celebrate the little things that we get? Because I wanna make this one point. Uh, in the Heights has, was, was a success uh, 13 years ago on Broadway. It took yeah. a long time to get made into a <clears throat> film and it only got made into a film when John Chu coming off Crazy Rich Asians Got a, ch got a chance to make whatever he wanted next. It took another minority who sort of opened the door and gave representation to his own people to then come back and give us representation. So how do we pass that forward? Like, are these valid criticisms, Corey? Do you think that we had 
a beautiful amount of representation, but was it enough? That's my question to you. <clears throat> well, I you know I have to go into something, and, and this is what people again are afraid to say. That people are afraid to say because everybody wants to have an opinion. Everybody already is like defensive. I I love the movie when I you know when I saw it, and you know I still I still like the movie a lot, but you know I ha I have to claim that. I don't know everything about the controversy with this. You know, I, and the controversy being, you know, Washington Heights being uh, very influenced by Dominican culture, uh, being very diverse and being, you know, and there's a lot of dark skin that is, rep, you know, that is, that is, uh, that, that does live in Washington Heights that is, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's very diverse in that sense of different skin tones. Uh, I did not know that. You know, I don't live in Washington Heights. I don't. I don't know if I've ever been to Washington Heights, except for like maybe just passing through or something. So you know, that's my ignorance on this. So when I when 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 somebody brings this up, because I remember somebody asked me the other night, and I had to and I had to stop myself because I said, well, damn, you know, you know, he was making Lin Manuel Miranda. You know, when he made this, he had this whole idea of, of putting in people who uh, who feel up who who he feels looks like him who are underrepresented and not a, not every time you you know when somebody makes a movie they're not obligated to put you know just like my argument with Woody Allen and everybody else it's like they're not obligated to put people of color in there if they're putting their experience but then I had to pull back and say but you know what I don't know Washington Heights I don't know that area I don't know what these people what the culture is like there so I had to stop myself and I had to say hey look sometimes you just have to like don't be so prideful don't be so don't be defensive just say, you know what? I was ignorant on that, and now that I am, I owe it to listen to somebody else's opinion. You know, I see people in the chat right now. Well, this is a stupid argument. Well, fuck, they had a black guy in the movie. You know, and that's the kind of thing that I really hate when I see that. This is why I hate being on the internet arguing with people because people come in with, with their defenses up and they're ready to just call something stupid without understanding. And I see this a lot, especially when things are, you know, things of controversial nature, especially when it comes to race. You know, the first thing that people say is, why are you making a big deal out of this? Why, you know, why, why can't you just, like somebody will talk and I'll let you know you want me to introduce this clip, but somebody else is like, why can't you just leave it alone? Why, you know, this person's doing well. And I have a, you know, and there's a way to talk about this, and I'll get into this later. There's a way to talk about this without coming in and being defensive and without, and also to come in with understanding. But I'll talk about that in a little bit. But I do, I just say this, I really hate when people come in and they, they don't hear somebody else's opinion. Look, if you disagree, if you disagree, then disagree. But this whole thing of saying that, uh, you know, here we go, race again, a color, all that's stupid. The movie's fine. These people are just complaining. I don't think that's fair. Form your opinion after you hear the other argument, which is what I thought about myself. I say, you know what? No matter what I feel about this film, I need to sit back and hear what these people have to say. And I might be a little more biased on that end because I do understand. I've always understood colorism as a problem. We've talked sure. about this before on this show, but you know that's. First, I'm gonna, I'll talk about this later. I, don't, I wanna give you a chance to come in and talk more, but that was my first impulse is to say, let's not dismiss this argument here. You know, yeah. let's, hear what, the, let's hear what people actually have to say, especially if you don't, if you don't know what Washington Heights is like or that culture's like or this issue is like. It, this is what's wrong with the world. People should listen more, but go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, that's the 
thing, right? Like this is an interesting conversation to have. This is an interesting discourse. It doesn't mean that the film isn't enjoyable or the film isn't good or it has wonderful production values. We're asking something deeper than that. Where I want to come at people who say, well, like it's about the genetic makeup of Washington Heights. I would say it goes much deeper than that. It's about the genetic makeup of what it means to be Spanish. To be yeah. a West Indie Spanish person, which is like in PR, we have people that look like me. We have people that look much darker. We're all Puerto Rican, and that happens in DR, Cuba, all over the place. Uh, and in fact, most of the like darker actors and actresses who are in the film are of those descents. So it's like I can understand people trying to say, oh, you know, like you're, you're represented a little bit. Isn't that enough? Like they're bearing the flag that you wear, but it's like we are a kaleidoscope anyway. That same argument, you know, like can be used uh, the other way. Uh, you alluded to this. Let me talk about this. The reason this film is so big to me is because for the longest time, our claim to fame pop culturally was West Side Story, um, <laughs> where we are the villains of it. And there's only one Puerto Rican in that whole fucking movie who is the wonderful Rita Moreno. And I do love her. I think she's amazing. She just has a documentary out and she was on um, Colbert's show. And it was really interesting because this was apropos of nothing. She didn't bring this up or he didn't bring this up. She brought it up and wanted to talk about this controversy. Yeah. Let's go ahead and hear what she has to say about this issue. There's been some criticism for the lack of uh, Afro-Latino people in In the Heights, uh, yeah. the, the the movie adaptation of his of his play. I mean, it's like what you, do you, can what do you never, make of that? You can never do right, it seems. This is the man who literally has brought Latino-ness and Puerto Rican-ness to America. I couldn't do it. I mean, I, I would love to say I did, but I couldn't. <laughs> Lin-Manuel has done that really single-handedly, and I'm thrilled to pieces. And I'm proud that he produced uh, my documentary. And so, are okay. You... So, I mean, also she might have a little bit of bias because, I mean, <laughs> you know, he produced a documentary. But okay, so it's that kind of thing that I'm talking about because I think a lot of people don't understand. And this is the problem with colorism. Colorism has affected the mentality of so many other cultures out there, uh, and to the point, to the point, it's affected black people. And now, I think black people, when black people have to set aside, they're going to realize, well, shit, we all. You know, I always say, you know, to everybody else, we're all, you know, it come, it, every black person realizes at some point, damn, we're all niggas to somebody, you know, and that includes not just white people, but that includes Asians and Latin people. Uh, you know, it's a pro colorism is a real big problem because the more people think they can pass, the more colorism affects their mentality and the more they look down on other people to the point where it does affect something like Hollywood where they're like, well, of course, fair skin and European features sell better. And that is why you see often, you know, people of color who are darker skin getting pushed back and not getting, you know, not getting roles over other people. Uh, and, 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 and that's why I've always... You know, no, no, nothing against you and nothing against my Asian friends out there. Man, I have some dear, dear friends of, you know, of all types. And that's why it's nothing personal with anyone. But I've always looked at Latin people. I've always looked at Asian people. And it's always disturbed me that colorism has, has affected not everybody, but the mentality of a lot of these people because they think like, shit, you know, first of all, I'm light enough. My hair is straight. Shit, I might even have blue eyes or something. And then they... And then they think like, well, shit, I can pass. So you know what? Fuck you. It's a big problem in India, Asia, uh, huge problem in Asia, and it's a problem within the Latin community. And it is a problem within the black community. And I think that you know, if you think if if you look at somebody like the Root, and you think they're being being hypersensitive about this this situation, it's because. It has been a problem that has affected us for a long time. And when they see it in something like this, where Dominican culture has had such an influence on the darker skinned people have had such an influence on that culture within that neighborhood or anywhere else. 
Uh, and then they get passed over because the lighter skinned people, you know, they, 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 they wear it with pride. They put it out there. They flaunt it. But then they're so happy of their fair skin and be able to pass. You know, there's a conflict there, and that's a problem. And, if, you know, and I, think I can see why people would complain about it here. Uh, but, you know, and, and let me just say this. I'm going to pass this on to you, Christian. I just say, you know, real quick, because uh, this movie talks about how, you know, people of darker skin are put in the background. I mean, black people have a term for that. It's called the black ground. It's where, you know, you, you know, in movies where they have high school, black people are always in the background. And if they do have a black person, they might be dark skinned and funny, but if they're attractive, they're light, they, you know, they, they're light skinned and they're made like to be the friend and whatnot. Uh, people always use black, black. I mean, white musicians use black people as as backup dancers and dark skinned people for soul and whatnot. Uh, you know, you you've seen hip hop even do that at some point. So I get why that there's a, a something going on here. But I, and this is why I'm gonna pass it on to you, Christian. There's two ways to approach this conversation, though, because with this movie, I don't think that there was any ill intent, and to have a conversation about this. And I'm not saying the root got angry about it but to have a conversation about this two things should happen I don't think that people first of all should get so defensive about this con controversy where they're not listening I already said that but at the same time address this issue with understanding uh, understand that Lin-Manuel Miranda you know uh, and, and even John uh, Cho to, an, uh, to a certain extent maybe they're caught up in a system where that influences the casting and whatnot. but they themselves didn't they did not intentionally mean to hurt anybody. I think they actually went in with the best intentions, and maybe it worked, maybe it didn't. But I don't, you know, I, I think that they thought that they were representing people and that they were doing a great thing. And if they missed the mark, then come in with understanding and have that conversation. But don't go in mad. Don't go in saying racist. Don't go in saying you motherfuckers. You know, it's, I think there's a way to to address this, and everybody has to have some understanding on every part. Yeah, I'm, I'm really sad because I wish everyone felt the way I felt when I watched this movie. And it does make me sad that people who are culturally the same as me, right, like dark skinned Puerto Ricans, maybe didn't feel as proud of that final product. Yeah. And I got to be really respectful of that, man, because I'm one of these light skinned passing motherfuckers. That she's talking <laughs> about. So it's like it's really important for me. But I would say that, like, can two things be true? I 100 percent think that there was no ill will here. I think that, number one, people seem to forget this. In the Heights was written well before Hamilton, and this was just someone who wanted to see himself on screen represented, and I think he did that in spades. When I look at Hamilton, Hamilton's big claim to fame is that they straight up cast nothing but people of color in the yeah. founding fathers' roles. So maybe a better criticism to have, this is going to be a couple of years down the line, is let's see what happens when we get the eventual Hamilton film adaptation and and see how much they start to do the colorism thing there. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? Because I think that's a larger point. And I'd think, I don't think anyone was indignant. I don't think anyone was combative. I think they brought up a very interesting point that it would be easier for people like me to sweep under the rug rather than engage with. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons why people, this is one of the things that really made people of color, you know, darker skinned people of color upset. I think there was a number in the movie where they were talking about that. There was a number where the character of Corey Hawkins or whatever the, the actor's mm -hmm. name, uh, that yeah. character in the in the in the play, Benny. Benny, yeah, I think that there was something about an issue with him being darker skinned, and that was removed from the movie. So you know, not only did they take it that that out. Well, that would have meant something to address that for people. They took it out and then kind of, you know, light, light brown washed the thing. So I can see where people would feel like, wow, not, you know, at first it might seem a slight oversight, 
but you intentionally tried to sweep that under the rug, man, and ignore that. And so a lot of people, I can see why a lot of people would feel like, wow, you you really did want to make this more appealing to people by making it a little bit lighter to the point where you took out an important musical number that would mean something to somebody. Now I can understand also that maybe, you know, the movie's already long enough and it was just not, they had to cut something and maybe that didn't lend itself to the story. It could have stood out. But you, uh, you, you can understand how that, that would make people feel. Yeah, and, I, and by the way, I think he understands how it makes people feel. I mean, for his credit, he's come out and said all the right things you could possibly want him to do, and he basically apologized for it. And it's like, what what else do people really want in this situation? I think you can see that that was a clear love letter and something that he feels very, very proud of. And yeah. his only regret is that it didn't include more people under that umbrella. How do we fix that going forward? It's not by being combative. It's by listening to that and figuring out ways to improve. And I'm really happy that, at least on the surface, he's doing that. And, you know, I hear a lot of people saying the root is race baiting. The root is they, nobody brought it up until they brought it up. That's always how it's going to be, man. Every time somebody brings up anything that's kind of racial and they, 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 you know, they're, they're disrupting what we see as the norm, it's always going to get pushed back. I said this on that night when I brought this up on the stream. You know, uh, anytime some, you're going to be accused of race baiting anytime you bring something up. You were right. taught that the Civil Rights March was such a noble thing and how great that was. Even Fox News will say the Civil Rights March was a, was, was a defining moment in American culture, in American history. Even they will say that as a way to get us to shut up. Every time something's been brought up, there's been pushed back. I, I, I believe when the, well, first of all, the Civil Rights March came about, like today, they were all commies, they were all Marxist, they were all unpatriotic. Some of them were even called terrorists. And at that time, it was the, the majority of the country. It might, the majority of the country, and it might have been more, but like 70%, 80% of the people at the time when talked about, at least when it came to white people and, non, and, and non-blacks, when they were asked about the Civil Rights March, they said, why are these people complaining? They're unpatriotic. They, they are, they're, they're troublemakers. Uh, they're, they're communist, uh, and it came down to they, there was even a time when somebody asked a bunch of people in the black community to write about what is it? Tell us, guys, what is it that you think is wrong with America, and what do you want? You and, dar- and other darker skinned people are non white people, and they wrote and they took these leaders from the black community, asked them, What do you want? And they wrote, like, they just pretty much said, We just want to be treated fairly, and they wrote the reasons why. And the guy who commissioned that came back and said, wow, can't you just be grateful? You're asking for a little bit too much here. <laughs> you know, that's not, this is not what we were asking you for. So, yeah, man, you know, of course, when these things get brought up, you know, even if they have a point, everybody's going to be like, you know what? Why can't you just shut up and let everybody have fun? So whatever, man, you're never going to win. I think it's a valid point to bring up. I think it's a valid point to bring up without being angry. I think it's a valid point to bring up without being accusatory, but it's also a valid point to be brought up that deserves to be listened to. You know, everybody does that. I've seen it too many times. I've seen it with black people do this to other people they don't understand. I've seen them do that with the gay people. I don't fucking understand those guys. I don't want to hear this I, shit. I don't know why we demonize messengers. Like you can say that's race baiting or whatever, but if the if the point that they're making is valid and holds water, then maybe you need to pay more attention to that. This has been plagiarized. I'm sorry, but it's like the Thanos thing. Like yeah. Thanos is like, hey, uh, we're over consuming shit and then like it's unsustainable for life. So we just chop off his head and do time travel to make sure he doesn't exist. But we don't address the root of the problem. 
And so it's just because the messenger isn't the person you want to be, which yeah. you should interrogate why you feel some kind of way about that to begin with. If, if, if their argument has validity, you can't sit there and, and ignore it outright. That's bullshit. That doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't yeah. uh, lead to better discourse. No. And I've seen every culture does it, y'all, even black people. But let's not let's not do what about isms and point at fingers and be like, see, you do it. Too. You know, this this. There's some leverage here, and it's uneven how it's done, but everybody does it. It's just human nature to do that. I remember right. when I, uh, they brought up the thing about, what's her name, being uh, cast for that movie. It was that Cameron Crowe movie. Oh, uh, God, Emma Stone, Aloha. Yeah, yeah, yeah and Aloha, and that was brought up, and people, you know, in certain of Hawaiian descent said, this is kind of crazy. Uh, you know, it's not. This is a movie that's take place in Hawaii. None of us are represented, but this is a Hawaii. You say this girl is a Hawaiian or whatever, and and I thought, wow, that's an interesting point. I heard people just saying, "Get over it, shut up." What are you talking about? And I'm thing is like, my first thing is like, I don't know anything about this, and it might sound silly and trivial to me, but mm. people deserve to be listened to. You know, just at least listen. Yeah, like I said earlier, I think the the most amazing thing about this is John Chu made a bunch of money from Crazy Rich Asians and chose to help out other, uh, you know, underrepresented people. And what we can do now that we've had our moment is to listen and not close the door behind us. That is like the only thing I really want to take away from this is that you can still enjoy a film, realize that it may have some problematic tendencies. And instead of reacting negatively against that, like ask yourself why you're doing that. And I think this is a good question to have. And and also, I don't I've seen so many horrific things about this poor woman. I don't think she did anything bad. I don't think she was shitty or rude to anyone. I think she asked a question. And, and there's always it's always interesting that when you just ask questions and you rile people up. You were on to something. Yeah. You know, I still like In the Heights. I'm a little disappointed in some of the decisions that were made now that I actually got deeper with it, like that number that was cut out. But I still like the movie. It it didn't didn't turn me against the movie. And I still like Lin-Manuel Miranda and and John Chu. And and like I said, I think they had the best intentions. But, you know, uh, is it it worth pointing out, like, maybe there's a learning, a, a teachable lesson here? A learning moment here, an enlightening moment. Yeah, there's there's that side of it too. We don't have to turn against something completely to have a conversation. Yeah, let me just fucking say this though. We're not holding anyone else to the same account though. And I think that's the problem. Like we're extra critical of minority filmmakers of every elk, right? Because if uh, they should know better. So it's like the soft bigotry of low expectations, we call that. Like yeah. we expect white people, we expect no black people to be in a Woody Allen or a Scorsese movie. And you're right, they're under no obligation to do that. But there's not a fervor the same way there is about just like the colorism in this film. And I think that's so interesting that like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll fight with ourselves a lot more because that stops us from like actually understanding yeah. the larger implication here. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. That's a great way to wrap that up. Thank you. All right, you know what? <laughs> let's get to one of the ultimate colorisms out there <laughs> yeah this is a good pairing i'm really proud of this yeah no this is a great pairing let's get to one of the biggest colorisms out there that was believe it or not done in a some people consider it to be a, a positive back when uh back when they took dracula and made him black black dracula I like the way he's like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> even, even William Marshall who played Dracula, he's like, whoa, wh- what? <laughs> Avenger. Rising from his tomb to fill the night with horror. Blackula. Dracula's soul brother. <laughs> Deadlier even than he 
Blackula's soul brother, number one. Oh, man, the reason why we're bringing up Blackula right now, and I've seen Blackula. Blackula is pretty awesome, man. Blackula, I will accept from some people that it has not aged well. It is definitely a product of its <laughs> of its time. But, you know, look, man, it's got some wonderful charm to it, man. Um, and believe it or not, like the movie, it seems like a parody because, it's, you know, it's Black Dracula. But it actually has some some really great social... Oh, I yeah. guess some social insight in it. Christian wanted me to play the whole trailer. So I'll, I'll, it is a hilarious trailer, man. I used to, there was a guy that I worked with, and he had this, this is this is so long ago, he had a cassette tape. And he had a cassette tape of all these black exploitation trailers on there. So no video, just audio. And I would listen to that thing all day, man, while I was working. And it cracked me the hell up, man. And this was one of the ones, Blackula. Some of the lines in the trailer itself are amazing. The Black Avenger. <laughs> rising from his tomb to fill the night with horror. Blackula. Dracula's soul brother. Deadlier <laughs> even than he. You know, he is a strange dude. You're a nut that ran in front of my cab. You're the only imbecile on this street. Boy. Hey, bitch, who you talking to? <laughs> Boy. Blackula. Look at man, you find, I mean, he's got to be around here somewhere. I mean, now listen, you, wait, you take your hands off of me. I don't know you. He thirsts for your blood. He hungers for your soul. Warm young bodies will feed his hunger. Hot, fresh blood will quench his awful thirst. Thank you. Bloody Mary. Are you, um, into the occult? No! How about the, uh, heavy stuff? What do you think of vampires? Vampires? I think they're possibly the most fascinating ball. <laughs> More horrifying than Dracula. The Black Avenger. Black Avenger. <laughs> I've seen that movie so many times, man. I was young. I love that. I used to watch all these black black exploitation movies. The reason why we're bringing this up is because, well, as with everything, as we said, everything's getting rebooted, remade. Re reimagined, revisioned, whatever you want to call it, redecorated, and they're doing the same thing with Blackula. It was about time, right? With the success of Black Horror that is out there, you've seen it all. Some of them more successful than others, and some we haven't seen yet. Of course, there's Get Out. You know, Lovecraft Country, for the most part, people love that. Haven't seen Candyman yet. Uh, that's them up there, which had some great insight, but did you see them? I saw the pilot. That was it. It was all right. Yeah, it's, it's infuriating for me. But it, it, I, the thing is, like Lovecraft Country did it better in the first episode, so I already felt like it was just repeating themselves, which is a very interesting thing about how them actually was in production first before Lovecraft, but Lovecraft beat them out to release date. So it's one of those things where they feel like they were copying each other, but I just didn't really vibe with them, unfortunately. Them was uh, something that, I'll say this, 
one of the things that Blackula could do, and I don't want to just make this about them. You know, we did a review on them, and that was the movie, or the, I'm sorry, series on Amazon where it was about a black family that moves into a white neighborhood and everything was just kind of extra in there. The, the, the racists were almost cartoonish in a way. There was all this, people were talking about the black violence and abuse and all the black, you know, the, 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 just the, the 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 black the, the black struggle that 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 gave us all these images of such things as you know the violence in there that that didn't that was just I guess kind of overbearing like they killed babies in there black babies you know they the the neighbors were just relentless you know that they the, the black people were going through so much trauma that was that's the key word trauma right there there's sure. been this thing about struggle movies along with the trauma that we keep seeing over and over again is like man you know all right, time for some balance. Maybe we don't need to put any kind of issues in there at all. Or maybe something like horror the, with the way Get Out did it. You know, maybe Blackula will be the thing to bring bring that in and be fun. You know, Blackula will be something. It could have a social message, but it'll be something that's, uh, you know, doesn't have to rely on trauma or being heavy-handed. That's one of the things that I think that they could do. But again, I'm going to pass this on to you because this is a, a black exploitation flick, and that's why I say that some things that... They did back then would not would not fly today. Might be a little insensitive today. It's stereotypical. What are your opinions on this, man? I'm really fascinated by it. I mean, you put up the the chart of like kind of what black horror has been doing in the last decade. I would say it's some of the most interesting, most cerebral stuff has kind of come out of that. So it definitely seems like, hey, it's a moment where if you're going to go back and do any of this, you can. But, you know, even though that looks very comical, that film, I mean, you would admit there's it's littered with a bunch of social commentary and otherism and stuff like that. Blackula is certainly not the first black exploitation film, but to my knowledge, the first horror black exploitation film. And I think there's something very interesting about even the narrator saying, you know, uh, he's more horrifying than Dracula. And there's like a double entendre there, right? Because yeah. in the old Dracula films, it was like he was the other by virtue of being like a foreigner. But not only like is he the other by being a vampire, he's also the other because he's black. So, of course, he's more yeah. horrifying. Yeah. Like yeah. little things like that, I think, are really interesting. The whole reason he becomes Blackula is he's trying to stop the fucking North Atlantic slave trade. And then Dracula puts a curse on him, you know? So that's the thing. It's like, yes, they were able to do campy. They were able to do silly. They were able to do grindhouse. But they never lost sight of the social commentary. And it was never too heavy handed. So yeah. I guess my question is, how do you do a narrative tightrope walk? How do you adapt Blackula into today's thing without at least trying to replicate that? But we saw with Shaft that that's not really a thing you can do. You can't just wholesale try to pick up and move something from that era into a modern day setting. Yeah. Well, they did it with the first Shaft where they did. I think they did all right job. I don't think Shaft is great. I thought it was better when I saw it back in the day. Today, I look at it, I'm like, ah, it's all right. That second Shaft was some bullshit. First, I'm talking about the second Shaft. Oh, second yeah. Shaft, some ter terrible, terrible bullshit. But Dracula, first of all, it's going to be tough because, well, fuck, his name is Blackula. Blackula. <laughs> like I say, even he can't believe that shit. You know, it, so I don't know, man. You'd have to keep the name Blackula because it's got that brand, right? Yeah. So I wonder if the, if you could like, you could call him Blackula, but it has to you know it's it's self aware. Like people make fun of his name, or people are laughing about it. You know that's kind of ridiculous. Um, you know it, yeah, but, but 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 the subtext of that. Think about that, right? It's it's that his white oppressor renamed him Blackula. It's not he was a prince. He was a prince in Africa. He gets dubbed. He gets robbed of his entire culture, and he's just like, no, you're the black version of me now. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So it's yeah. like. 
it's, it's again, it's hard to narratively walk that where you can try to take the piss out of it. But even as a joke in the 72 film, it's sort of meant as this sort of scathing criticism. Yeah. Well, until, <laughs> until my man, the director, he started. To, I don't even know if it's the same guy, but I know that there was a there was a Blackenstein. Uh, there might okay. be shit. There might be a Blummy out there, you know. <laughs> know. You know. <laughs> uh, which is the Black Mummy, you know. I don't. Hey, yeah. tell me something. Is that the same guy? Because because uh, Black. Let me show you this, man. Because that's the. You know, it's well, at what point you have to be careful because you're going you're going to get into parody, man. If you if you don't if you don't watch it, uh, I don't know if it's the same guy. Blackenstein, man, was was uh, I saw that and that was a terrible movie, man. I thought it was gonna be funny and, and I thought it was gonna be smart, like uh, like like, like Blackula. Nah. <laughs> well, I'll man. tell you this: uh, William Crane did not do Blackenstein, but he did do he did do Doctor Black and Mister Hyde. If you wanted oh, to have that one, <laughs> yeah, I saw that one too, and that one's equally ridiculous. That one's actually kind of fun though, but it's terrible. Brings you to California. Well, I just arrived. Look at this shit. <laughs> you know, yeah, okay, so it's not the same guy. Good to hear. But man, I don't know. You know, uh, I think, uh, you know, any, I've, I've said this before, and, I, and again, you, you guys heard me say this over and over again. It's in the writing, man. I mean, even when we saw Get Out, we heard it was like a, a, a black dude being brainwashed by a white family, and we thought we we all thought that that was going. We even we saw the trailer. We thought, okay, is this a is this a parody of black exploitation? Is this a comedy? And then end up being one of the best movies of that year when it came out. Uh, Blackula, if they write is smart, especially with some of the things that you're bringing up, Christian. Yeah, anything can be done, man. You know, you, it depends on what kind of what kind, what kind of tightrope you're walking. I do think it would be cool to make it kind of not not campy, but kind of make it humorous in some parts, make it self-aware, but also make everything make sense. If something sounds ridiculous, well then write it to where it makes sense. So let me let me tell you, creative team. There's Dion Taylor, I believe, who did uh, that Hillary Swank movie from last year, the Fatale, where she was like Fatal Attraction shit. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you know I was in a Skype call with those guys, man, when it, when that movie came out. Which I felt bad about because they, you know, I think the movie's okay. I gave it a rental. You know, it's not great or anything. But that guy's doing two movies right now. He's doing, so he's doing this. Is he going to, mm -hmm. is, he, is he a producer? No, he's directing this. He's directing it. He's also doing another one on a, like a big historical figure, man. I can't forget. I can't remember who it is. This guy's busy. You know, that guy's, say what you will about him, but he's pretty busy, man. Right. And here's the other thing. There are plenty of people who have done really bad. Uh, Craig Mazin's the one I always go back to. Craig Mazin got started writing Scary Movie 3 and 4 and the Hangover movies. And then he did Chernobyl. And now he's doing The Last of Us. So it's like it, sometimes you got to pay your dues. You got to do some bad fucking projects in order to kind of get where you're going to. And that's not an indictment of all his other stuff. I've heard he actually there's a movie called The Intruder that's supposed to be good, but I have not seen it. Yeah. Um, same director. So it's like. I think uh, you can't always be too hypercritical about the talent behind the the project. It always comes down to a writing level. But I think what it starts with is like having an idea for the tone of it. And this is the one that doesn't lend itself so easily. Like Candyman, the original ones, this is a really great horror film. And so that yeah. sort of lends itself to whatever the next version of that's going to be. Uh, but 
black exploitation is so fucking specific in what it is that it's like you either need to 100% lean into it or you need to try to get away from it as best you can. And so I guess what I'm asking you, your personal opinion is like you could have your druthers. What do you what would you rather it be like a balls to the wall black exploitation or do you want them to pull back the reins a little bit? Oh, I want them to I want them to, you know, make a contemporary, man. I mean, you know, there's a lot of stuff that black cars doing today and we don't need to do black exploitation to where, you know, we're being that campy. I think we can we can definitely go in and have some fun with it, but we can actually make some good points too. This director might be great, man, because he's done some, he's done some sort of borderline campy thrillers. You know that movie, The Intruder. Actually, I like that movie a lot, and I won't even say that that movie's great, but that movie had me laughing so hard. That's the one where Dennis Quaid was trying to break into a black couple's home so he could sleep with yeah, the yeah. dude's wife. Sound. Manny, it's an old house. You just bought the pack house, right? Yeah. Charlie's quite a guy. Just don't look too close under the mask. His wife died in that house. Mrs. Charlie took Mr. Charlie's shotgun in her mouth. At least that's how Charlie explained it. Hey! Stop drilling holes in my house! The man acts like the house still belongs oh to him. I mean, he's lonely. You know, looking at this movie, he'd probably be great to direct Blackula, man. This movie, like I said, this movie's got some camp of his own. That scene where like the the, the wife is taking a shower and Dennis Quaid is licking his lips and at the door. Wouldn't you just go for it? <laughs> <laughs> God. That goddamn Grinch smile he's got. This guy would actually be really cool to direct uh to direct Blackula, man. So yeah. Did Dennis Quaid lose his mind in real life? Did someone just say like just fucking roll, just roll whenever he's around? Because that shit looks like he's not acting. It's too naturalistic, Corey. <laughs> well, right there, he's probably looking at that black ass. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look. So to your point, they're, they they said the logline of this is going to be like it's going to be present day. It's going to be post pandemic world and all that stuff, and and it's going to be in a major metropolitan city. They didn't mm -hmm. say which one yet. Uh, so I think that's interesting in and of itself is like by virtue of how much the world has changed in the 50 years or so since Blackula came out, you're, you you kind of can't do it unless you're yeah. going to do like – what was the film we were talking about earlier? Uh, the Mario Van Peep uh, Badass, that right? Is, yeah. Yeah, so it's like that or like Dolomite is my name. Like those are very specific things and you can sort of do that but that's about taking the veil away from – the thing. It's about the making of black exploitation. Black exploitation always has been sort of a response. What I love about it is like, oh, you think this is what we are? All right, motherfucker, yeah. I'll show you what we are. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. they wrote those films. I don't think that we are in the same like that's not the necessity anymore. We don't need to do that to tell the stories. So um, yeah, I mean, I, th I I'm excited to see what they do with it for sure. Uh, it's it's weird because this isn't such a like. This isn't Jaws or something. It's not like a, a film that should never be remade. Like, it's really good in spots. It's really silly in others. Um, so I don't think there's going to be the same kind of emotional attachment yeah. to it. Well, I mean, Blaxploitation, Blaxploitation is known for its campiness because they didn't have the budget to do what, you know, what Hollywood movies were doing. And yeah. there was a certain freedom with that. You know, they didn't have the budget, so they had these, you know, kind of goofy looking sets and and effects and whatnot, but at the same time, being that they were outside the system, they 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 were able to say a lot of things. Black exploitation for all the, you know for for having that name exploitation in there it seems like it was exploitative of black people in cinema and whatnot. You know, it actually had the freedom to go and say more than or say what what needed to be said that Hollywood wasn't saying, and also cast people in other roles that Hollywood wasn't casting them in. We got to be the detectives. We got to be the heroes. We got to be the sexy, you know, a uh, 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 leading man. We, you know, we, 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 we got to be the creatures. Of the, it, and, and that was kind of cool too. From maids to pimps and hoes. If there was somebody black, they would be the first to die. 
Black films hold a mirror up to society, but at the same time give an audience an escape. The name is Blackula. <laughs> That's uh, hard war. I actually interviewed that director of that documentary, and you know exactly what they're saying there. Like you know, Hollywood would never address some of those things the way these black exploitation movies were because they were outside the system and they got to be a lot of things they got to be the, bo the voice of the community while also giving people better uh better roles better images of themselves so anyway you know but again but we're talking about cultures maybe not being all on the same side of it black exploitation coined by the president of the naacp at the time uh, and he meant it as a as a demerit, as like a yeah, derogatory yeah. thing. And I think that's what's so interesting about it is like there were there were uh, one part of the community was like, no, we're taking this in our own hands. Like no longer are we going to be relying on other people to tell the stories that we want to tell, to cast ourselves in the roles that we want to play. But there was another part of that, the same culture that was very against it. Yeah. And I just think that's an interesting thing. That's a struggle that you constantly have to kind of go up to. And I think. Black audiences, it really like, and that's why Horror Noir is such a wonderful documentary. If you haven't seen it, please go watch it because it does talk about that relationship about black people in horror, and especially what is horrifying to black audiences, which is, by the way, not always the same thing that is scary to a, a white audience member. Yeah, and you know, uh, uh, but that I see what they were saying with that term because for every, listen, for every. Uh, uh, you know, socially conscious film, or every film that p portrayed people as heroes and whatnot. For every Dracula that was out there, there was also, you know, a movie that glamorized pimps and hoes and gangsters and all that kind of shit. So, uh, you know, I get it. I get it. It's it's again, everything is kind of a everything. You know, there's there's these our culture is so just kind of contradictory in a way and where we see things you know mm -hmm. one moment we say this represents the culture and it's empowering but another moment we like we embellish in the worst so you know i don't know i think in the spectrum that's sort of the beautiful part of it is that you could do all of that you could have something that maybe seems like it's idolizing pimps and hoes and drug dealers and then you have a movie like coffee which is probably the first black exploitation yeah. film i ever saw and she's just taking the trash out the whole goddamn yeah. movie Pain yeah killing motherfuckers yeah man and you know Here's a before we go because I know you gotta go, but I want to put this out there, man. Uh, William Marshall, do you know who else he was besides Blackula? Do you know what other icon he was? Uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse, right? Yeah, man, that's it. He was the he was the king of cartoons. Pee Wee's Playhouse. I'm Pee Wee's new friend, Zizzy Baluba. <laughs> Nice to meet you. Is Pee Wee there? Yes, he is. May I tell him who's calling, please? Blackula! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Yeah, Pee Wee's player. He, he, I used to love that phrase. Let the cartoon begin. <laughs> yeah, folks. That was uh, overall. You feeling good about it? You think you like you're excited that we're we're kind of circling back to this chapter in black cinema? Yeah, I'll, I mean, listen, like I said, it depends on how they do it. Anything can be done. It's all on the execution. It's all on the writing. It's, you know, if you go in, you're, you're clever about it. You, you know, you have the best intentions of making the best thing that you can while also keeping in mind, again, some of the uh, some of the trappings of what's out there from the old films and getting over that, then I think you'll be fine. 
Yeah, I'm excited too. I mean, we'll see what ends up happening with it. Like I said, it's the most intriguing of all of the like reboots and continuations that we're having because it seems the one that makes the least sense to do, but that's in and of itself what makes it the most exciting prospect. Shit, I just want a I just want a modern sequel of Scream Blackula Scream, man. <laughs> I think that was one of the which, great. Which okay, so that's the weird thing. Pam Greer legitimizes that in a weird way. Scream, Blackula, Scream feels more of a black exploitation film because Pam Greer is in it. And for me, and maybe I'm wrong, I think isn't is she not the most famous person to come out of black exploitation? Or is that my Tarantino Jackie Brownification? Uh, Dolomite is up there too, but Pam Greer, you know, she's hot. <laughs> yeah, man. She, uh, no, Pam Greer is one, uh, definitely one of the uh, most popular black exploitation characters or actresses this, out there. Like I said. This one's going to follow. It's a direct continuation of that. And Pam Greer is still kicking around. She's beautiful. She's like 72 years old now. And I, like, I'd be really interested to see if they try to bring her yeah, back. Yeah, and somewhere. Richard Roundtree. I mean, Shaft. You don't get no more. Shaft was was more mainstream than all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Had that, you know, had that song and, you know, and everything. Who, uh, who's a bad, yeah, Isaac Hayes, yeah. who's a bad mother? Shut your mouth. <laughs> I'm just talking about Shaft. Yeah, people. Oh, let's see here. All right. I'm going to let this man get out of here. I'm playing an ad right now, so I'm just going to read an email, if you don't mind, yeah, and then we'll go on our way. We got, a, we got a few minutes. We're good. All right. Hmm. Let me see here. Let's see what we got here. Oh, don't know if we have any emails today. Uh, let's see. Yeah, no emails today because I didn't put up the email address, so we're going to get on out of here. Uh, let me see. Let me see. I think that's it. So I think you and I are going to start a black exploitation spinoff show. Is what we should do, where we just go through the entire canon of uh, of uh, black exploitation films. And it'll be produced by Lin Manuel Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> a black exploitation musical. I'll take yeah, that. St starring those two as us. Oh, Christian, I I want to let you go, sir, since we don't have anything to do, and I know you got to go. I'm feeling really, I'm feeling anxious right now because I feel like. I'm keeping you behind, and I don't want Papa and Mama waiting on you over there. Uh, they'll be fine if they are. No, Bay, thank you, seriously, because uh, you know, I said we had to do a short show, and you're very accommodating, and I love you and the Toasties and everyone, and Jumping Worms scare me. But, uh, you know, we'll do this next week. There's no, no nothing holding us back next week to do a full regular show. Okay, here's a real quick question. This yeah. is a question we've been asked before, but I don't think you've ever answered it. Uh, okay. This is from Sun God. Perfect trilogy. Does one exist? One where all three films were great. I think that's sort of uh, again, that's all, that's all uh, personal. You know, it's, that's that's all a matter of opinion. But Christian, uh, I think generally speaking, no. I don't think there's been a perfect trilogy. I think there are really two and a half great movie trilogies. That's sort of how I feel about Star Wars. Like Return of the Jedi, a little bit falters. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the Planet of the Apes movies, the first one's not great, but the second and third one, uh, that recent trilogy, is really yeah. wonderful. Uh, and that's the best you're going to get. The problem is when you have three movies, you immediately have comparisons, right? So yeah. there's always going to be something that was better in this movie that wasn't as good as this one, but that was better in that. And I think it's very hard. Do you have a perfect trilogy in mind? Yeah. Uh, Soldier BH, he, he, he knows what I'm going to say. Uh, so Planet of the Apes, I thought was amazing. I think that, you know, the, to, to me, because I, I like the first one. I, I, really, I really enjoyed the first one. And I'm like you, did I think it was like it was an amazing film? No, but I thought it was very good. It was solid. And then it got better from there. So as long as they get better and you end on a you end on a great film, then yeah, that to me that's perfect. Uh what about Lord of the Rings? 
Lord of the Rings is good. Yeah, I mean, I would say, but again, the third one, what's the thing you hear about the third one? Ah, oh, it just ends 10 times. There's 30 minutes too long and stuff like that. So yeah. even if there's those criticisms, like, are they, are you saying just three good films? Then yes, there's probably a bunch of really good trilogies, but you said perfect. That's the word yeah. we're using. Uh, per, well, again, perfect. That's all subjective. You know, it's like, to me, Planet of the Apes, I would say Lord of the Rings. I mean, it mm. ends very well. It may have, you know, it might be a little too long, but it's still a great ending for a long movie. They did, they did a great job with that. Uh, I know some people say Back to the Future. I'm looking at the chat right now. Uh, Back to the Future for me, nah, man. I didn't, I didn't, uh, third one, man. I'm sorry. I I'm, can't sign it. And even the second one to an extent, which gets needlessly convoluted for no reason. Yeah. Uh, somebody put Toy Story in there. Toy Story would have been, but then they went and made a fourth one. So, you know. Same thing with Indiana Jones. I will go to bat for the original three, but then you've tacked on that fucking crystal skulls yeah yeah exactly so that just kind of you know ruined that that's not a trilogy anymore oh uh, too bad though because i mean look if you want to take that off and just go with three movies and I'll, I'll be i'll split it with you you know okay so we can get indiana jones and we can get uh and we can get uh what you call it in there uh toy story yeah so. that's fair all right georgia cat says crystal skull doesn't exist that would be fine if they weren't making a fucking fifth one. Like, that's my problem with it. You could have left well enough alone. You already learned the lesson back in 08, and you're like, hey, 13 years later, this is going to somehow be a better idea? No. Yeah. Well, I'm with you on that. It doesn't exist to me. So, all right, guys. Let me see here. That is it. And somebody put this in here for you. Slither. Beware the jumping worms, man. Oh, God. Horrifying. All right, guys. The Wimpy Kid trilogy. I will give you that. Amazing. Amazing. They just get better as they go along. I haven't seen them, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> All right, guys. We're out of here. Thank you for being here and say hi to Mama and Papa for me. I will tell them you said hello. And I want to thank all you guys out there. Thank you, Chad. I didn't introduce you today because we were trying to get everything going, but I want to thank everybody for being here. Soul Almighty, Dirt Your Cat, Apocalypse, Furious, Kirk, Wolverine Trilogy. Uh, <laughs> Jokes. All right. <laughs> Terrell Pizza. Soul Almighty, Tiberius Monk. Hey, Tiberius, are we going to see you tomorrow on the trivia show? We'll let you know, man. I'll let me know. And then we'll, we'll talk to everybody later. Hey, kcoolmans at gmail.com. That's K-C-O-O-L-M-A-N-Z at gmail.com. Email us with any kind of questions, comments, compliments, insults, input, and our advice. Hit us up on the Instagram, the Twitter, the Facebook, all those social medias. Copy that information down right there. Memorize it. Love it. But what I tell you, you got to. It's mandatory that you use it. If you don't, what's the point? Christian. Hey, find me on Instagram, Christian.Monster, Facebook, Christian Leon Torres. And I know some of you, but I want to know every single one of you. So come find me. Come find them, people. Come find me, too. I guess you can do it now. I got my shots. I ain't afraid of you no more. I ain't scared of you. So I'll tell you what. Hit us up, kcoolmans at gmail.com, and let us know what your plans are for Austin. Are you moving here? Are you just simply passing through? Well, let us know so we can hang out with you. All right, everybody, that is it. Good night, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you're listening to or watching this, goodbye. And can you do this for me? Can you stay toasty? I like that you asked this time. Yeah, man. You didn't demand it. You're like, hey, do this. this, this do me a solid. Stay toasty. I'm feeling good today. I'm feeling nice. But Monday, I'm going to be back on that ass. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> University of Maryland Global Campus was established to bring a respected state university education to working adults at home and abroad. 70 years ago, we sent professors overseas to educate service members and their families on military installations and on the front lines. Today, we're online because that's where working adults need us, that's where you need us. We'll support your commitment to being a successful student with services that fit your lifestyle, and we offer more than 90 programs and specializations for where you are and where you want to be. University of Maryland University College is now University of Maryland Global Campus. We go the distance because times have changed, but what we're made for hasn't. UMGC offers online support for veterans, including resources at the Veterans Resource Center, no-cost digital materials replacing most textbooks, virtual advising, transfer credits, and lifetime career services. Speak to our dedicated military and veterans advisors who can help you find the right degree for your career path. Visit umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV. University of Maryland Global Campus was established to bring a respected state university education to working adults at home and abroad. 70 years ago, we sent professors overseas to educate service members and their families on military installations and on the front lines. Today, we're online because that's where working adults need us, that's where you need us. We'll support your commitment to being a successful student with services that fit your lifestyle, and we offer more than 90 programs and specializations for where you are and where you want to be. University of Maryland University College is now University of Maryland Global Campus. We go the distance because times have changed, but what we're made for hasn't. UMGC offers online support for veterans, including resources at the Veterans Resource Center, no-cost digital materials replacing most textbooks, virtual advising, transfer credits, and lifetime career services. Speak to our dedicated military and veterans advisors who can help you find the right degree for your career path. Visit umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV.